we're going to have some gratuitous sex and violence. You guys always bring me the very best violence. No relationship. No emotion. Just sex. episode of gratuitous sex and violence the podcast where we roam the desert wastelands taking aim at those two mortal enemies sex and violence how dare they i'm god sir i'm not having it i'm not having it now my name is orlando and i'm joined by my roommate guest and co-host ned how's it going ned oh you know just uh trucking along Trucking along, or uh, or or you know maybe a car, uh, sedaning along, maybe tanking along. Tanking sure. along. Is that what it is? Maybe. Maybe. Okay. Because we're watching Tank Girl. Oh, cool. The 1995 American science fiction film, directed by Rachel Talele. Uh, this I, actually, I, we I don't think we've uh, we've only seen like one other movie that's been directed by a woman so far. I think. Yeah, um, uh, uh, Jennifer's Body, right? Right. Yeah. Right. So that was Karen Kusama. Yeah. Uh, so this is going to be interesting. I think, like, I mean, I, obvi- I personally feel like more women should be filmmakers. Obviously, yes. And I feel like this is the kind of movie... Um, well, first of all, let me tell you a little bit about the movie before I talk yes, about yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> this movie, Tank Girl, is based on the British post-apocalyptic comic series of the same name by Alan Martin and Jamie Hewlett that was originally published in Deadline magazine. The film stars Lori Petty, Naomi Watts, Ice-T, and Malcolm McDowell. Nice. Uh, it's about a tank girl who <laughs> is a girl who lives in drought-ravaged Australia years after a catastrophic impact event, and it follows the anti-hero Tank Girl, as she, Jet Girl, and genetically modified super soldiers called Rippers fight the Water and Power, an oppressive corporation led by Kesley, who is played by Malcolm McDowell. Wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, 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 just okay. So we we talked a bit about you know the mm-hmm. movie, you know, before we started recording this thing, right? And and I remember you told me about uh, the. There being some similarities between uh, this movie and uh, Mad Max Fury Road, right? Or the Mad Max like uh, or, canon, I guess, like the yeah. whole the um, mythology. That, that said, that synopsis is like <laughs> is like dead on, right? Like that's that's really Mad Max Fury Road, right? Um, so that's wild. Um, when this movie came out, it got really mixed reviews, and it was a box office bomb. In fact, a lot of people say that. It kind of sunk Lori Pe- Lori Petty's career mm. because at the time, you know, she she had done Point Break, she had done um, A League of Their Own. She was really coming up in Hollywood. Oh, who'd she, uh, who'd she play in League of Their Own? Oh, Gina okay. Davis's sister. Oh my God! Okay, cool. All right, Kit Kit, Kit. Keller. That's super cool. Yeah, she played Kit Keller, and Gina Davis was Dottie Henson. Yeah. So yeah, she she was had a she had a pretty up and coming career in the you know early to mid '90s, and then this film happened and it kind of sunk it. Wow. Um, but as I was about to say before, you know, I reminded myself to slate the movie. <laughs> um, the the interesting thing about this is is that it's it's filmed 
by a woman. And so it really carries a woman's perspective. Yeah. And I feel like comic book fans at the time, and and maybe a little bit today even, with a few exceptions, they don't necessarily go into comic book movies expecting like female perspectives, especially because they're like majority male dominated industry, you know? Yeah. So they don't, or at least at the time, they're not receptive. They weren't receptive to that perspective. And so, you know, that's one of the reasons I think that the movie was not successful enough. Like today, hopefully people are more open-minded and more receptive to those perspectives. It's not a perfect movie by any means. It's a very flawed movie, but I definitely feel like it's not as bad as everyone said it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it, it sounds really fun. I've, I've definitely kind of, you know, heard about it in that sort of, in that, you know, campy, like, right. you it's know. very campy. Very, very kind of out there mm-hmm. and, and, you know, fun. But, right. like, it, it always sounded like it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um. So uh, so I'm definitely very curious, very it, eager. Um. I, I also, like... We talked about that a little bit with Showgirls too, about like the idea of a movie ending a person's career, and that right. and that kills me so much to to hear that that's like how it happens because it's just like I don't know, like look every every choice. film well every film is like different and it like is. there's so many different factors that go into mm-hmm. like how successful or not successful your performance is right. and like you know yeah the actor has to take some responsibility for it but like. I don't know. Like, I, it, it sucks. It sucks to hear that a, a particular movie just ends someone's career. Mm-hmm. I'm like, mm, now, no. drawing from that comparison, I feel like as opposed to Showgirls, where we both agreed that Elizabeth Berkley was maybe a little bit out of her depth. In that oh movie. yeah, no, it, it, it was a terrible performance <laughs> in that in that case. Um, but this but was really going to piss like, you off, I feel. Yeah. Because I, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm a big Lori Petty fan. Well, she was. I mean, yeah, she was great in uh, A League of Their Own. And so. in Orange is the New Black, I feel like she, that's kind of like yeah. where her career kind of got revitalized recently. That's cool. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to piss you off because I actually think that she's really great in this. All right. And I think Naomi Watts is great. I think the whole cast is great in this. This is yeah. just like a really this, fun Yeah, movie. this is like really early Naomi Watts. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited for that. One of her first roles, in fact. That's all right, so having said all of that, giving you all of that context, much of it probably unnecessary, are you ready to watch Tank Girl? Uh, yeah, I'm strapped in. All right, so if you guys at home want to watch Tank Girl with us, it is available to stream with a subscription on Hulu. If you do not have Hulu, then you're going to have to rent it. It's worth the price, honestly, because it's a really fun movie. So we're going to break now, watch the movie. We'll be right back after the break. We'll play some trivia and discuss the movie at depth. We'll see y'all on the other side. All right, form up. I hope we're going to have some gratuitous sex and violence. You guys always bring me the very best violence. No relationship. No emotion. Just sex. And we are back! We just watched Tank Girl. First reactions. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Many reactions to be had with this movie. Mm -hmm. Um... It is 
so 90s like this is this is very much like the 90s wrapped around a baseball bat and then clobbered (laughs) uh, on your head yeah um it's a very gen x movie yeah very just like radical and and like very much just like a very specific like 90s aesthetic of like rebelliousness and counterculture um which i dig yeah um i think that the this is a not a clunky movie, but like a lumpy movie mm-hmm. is, I guess, how I would describe it. Because um, there's just so much in it. Well, there's there's a, there's a lot in it, and the thing is that it like, uh, so so I think like the movie suffers from like two big problems. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one is just like kind of on a structural level, like it. Um, you don't really get the sense of like a single arc through the movie right. that kind of like you know hit like that that builds to like a final climax mm-hmm. um and that and and because like you said there's so much in it right. like the fact that it doesn't really have like a sort of a singular sort of like story arc kind of propelling it forward. Um, it it means that like there's there's just a lot there to really like wrap your head around. Right. So that's so that's the first big problem is just like kind of the way it's structured and mm-hmm. and the way it kind of moves through its different acts because it's like it's a lot of acts and. And yet, like, I ha- I am now, as I'm thinking about how it's laid out, I'm having a hard time remembering, like, what happened when and, like, even in what order the big acts mm-hmm. happened and stuff like that. So the second big issue is, like, is, is like, the, the, the film's, like, magnitude of stakes. Like, I think that there's like this is a post-apocalyptic future yeah and so the movie is definitely doing a lot of interesting world building in terms of like what life is like for people in this post-apocalyptic future and it Mm -hmm. makes sense that like if you are in this like dystopic disconnected world where like you know a corporation controls all the water right like on the one hand, it's like, yes, that means that people's day-to-day lives are going to be different and, like, people in this world are going to have, like, a different relationship to, like, violence and to horrible things happening to them than people like us today. Mm-hmm. Like, but by the same token, it feels like the movie is constantly sort of, like, moving this, sort of, like, moving the meter of that issue of stakes a big part of it is due to the world building, but then another big part of it is just due to kind of like the film's own like approach to like comedy because Mm -hmm. it's definitely a comedic movie and it's a very highly stylized comedic movie. And there are a lot of like very big comedic bits Mm -hmm. and jokes in it that are like interspersed within the story. And so it kind of makes it hard to like grapple with, like the stakes that they're trying to establish and in a way the way they're like the way they're painting the character of tank girl is actually kind of like the most glaring issue of it because i think it's a really interesting performance and and it's it's just that like you have a hard time kind of like knowing where tank girl is coming from in Mm -hmm. many moments of the film because like again a lot of a lot of rough stuff happens to her and 
like she's been living in this world for a while and she's like a very capable person who also is very like true to herself and all that stuff but at the same time it's like there there were moments where like in the beginning like right after her like you know home base gets completely massacred mm-hmm. and she loses her partner yeah. like it doesn't seem like that necessarily impacted her that much on an emotional level or if it did like it just it 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 sort of feels like it's constantly like moving the goalposts for like what what moments in her character are hitting her when mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Well, there are, um, there. I mean, she's an anti-hero, and I, and there's a lot of like, you know, you could say speculation of like maybe she has some sort of like antisocial anxiety disorder where yeah. you know she's incapable of of having those like deep empathetic like connections with people but at the same time that's you know that rebelliousness is kind of what makes her a badass yeah for sure well and it's like it's it's clear that it's clear that her character her character definitely is very self-reliant yeah and also that like she clearly she clearly plays very reckless well and she's very (laughs) reckless but also at the same time like she definitely like holds value in the like or like she values the people in her life at the same time though mm-hmm. and like she, you know again a lot of her journey is like you know whether she's trying to like save uh the young girl mm-hmm. or or all that so it's like that stuff is definitely there but she and does save her and then let her get captured again well exactly because of her recklessness well exactly <laughs> like she saves her and then lets her get captured again and then we go on this very long detour where right. we meet like you know the, the rippers, rippers and and you you almost are forgetting that like yeah you do that, forget that, about sam a little bit there's actually both yeah. times i feel like you forget about sam until liquid silver and then you forget about sam until the finale yeah exactly so again it's like it's like a mixture of the movie's overall structure about mm-hmm. how it's moving through those different beats and also at the same time it's like it's not necessarily being clear about her motivations right. and and again it's like so 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 those are like the two big criticisms and 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 I wonder if part of it is also like you know for forever, like there was this big question about how do you even adapt a comic book movie? And there were, it, it, when Tank Girl came out in the mid nineties, we had like a few examples, right? We had like the Batman movies, the Tim Burton Batman movies. Yeah. And, um, I think, uh, this was 95. So I think like Batman forever actually had already come out too, which actually kind of has like a, the same kind of like cyberpunky vibe to it aesthetically. A yeah. Little bit. A little bit. Yeah. And very like larger than and life. Campy. Um, I mean, I, I, I definitely thought of Batman forever as being very campy and larger right. than life. And this one blows that out of right, the water. Right. Like, but not in a Batman and Robin type of way. <laughs> oh Lord, no. <laughs> but what's interesting to me is like, you know, a lot of the comic book movies went, went, were very unsuccessful because it's very hard to to capture that style, the comic book storytelling style yeah. on screen. And it wasn't until really, you know, when the Spider-Man movies came out, like the golden age of superhero movies, which we're now living through uh, the MCU, like they've, they've, you know, gotten how to adapt these stories for film because, yeah. because the the thing is about film is it's a different medium. So the storytelling 
because I feel uh, the, when this is very episodic, is right? The thing like that's the thing, and so it makes sense like that the movie is on a structural level kind of trying to emulate that sort right. of like issue by issue progression. And it does. I feel like it does um, a good job emulating the spirit and the tone of the comics yeah. because the comics themselves they're influenced by by punk visual art and they're frequently deeply disorganized, anarchic, absurdist, psychedelic. Um, they, this, it features various elements like surrealist techniques. Uh, it borrows elements from fanzines, a lot of collages, stream of consciousness, storytelling. So, you know, the, I feel like the movie does capture the spirit of the comic book in yeah. that way. It's just that the storytelling doesn't quite translate to the medium of film. Yeah. But it's still a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and also, like, I just, I I love, I love this movie's just, like, like, I, I, it's, it's very clear. Like, I can, like, you can tell from this movie, like, the mm-hmm. point of view of the comics and right. of the story. Right. And, and, and it's very, it's very much a... It's very much a anti-capitalist, anti-patriarchy, right. you know, anti, you know, just like it, it's very feminist. Like yeah. it's it's a very great feminist story, and and it and and actually it was interesting because like I was thinking about Mad Max Fury Road because mm-hmm. like again there were a lot of, there's a lot of similarities between, even a tank chase <laughs> well exactly even a tank chase and like there are a lot of um and there are like lots of like there's like this weird ebb and flow where I felt like there are many moments that did feel very Mad Max yeah. but then also very many moments where it just went way right. in the opposite direction right. and and what I and and in a way actually one of the things that I really liked about this movie is that I think that. Um, this movie was a little more successful in terms of um, in terms of really hammering home the idea of like a post-apocalyptic world where where a corporate organization mm-hmm. still exerts its will on right. people and and this movie has a lot of really great touches about just like how you know the the iron fisted way they they maintain mm-hmm. control of the water supply and then seeing in like within the evil layer how wasteful they are yeah, of water very, and very how much so. and how and and sort of like really drawing that distinction about like the quality of mm-hmm. life of those who are just like trying to survive while you know the while the while the rich you know the rich evil people prosper mm-hmm. so um so i think that this movie really nails that right. idea of a corporation surviving i feel into even the, the name of it like, like the name water and power to me like heart like it, it, it's a utility company exactly yeah <laughs> so it's it is very much like yeah it is that idea of like you know those who control the wealth right. and and uh and how they hoard it for themselves yeah. so like i i really like that this movie you know is meant to be like a big kick in the teeth to yeah. that idea of you know capitalist hoarding of wealth and also a big kick in the teeth to misogyny and, mm-hmm. and the patriarchy um i really love and and the thing is like i love tank girl as a character in terms of just like her her wholehearted authenticity and the fact that she yeah. really just she she is somebody who never at any moment lets anyone else dictate the terms on which she exists and i think that's a really cool thing to mm-hmm. see um and yeah. really and really cool to see a woman character who right um 
because we see guys act like this all the time like you know guys who are in precarious situations like james bond for example yeah like he's always at the point of like almost death and the the villains are toying with him and he's quick with the quip yeah. but you never see a female character acting that way well, and in this movie like that's all she does well that's a thing yeah and and the fact that she maintains that self, sense of self in spite of the fact that almost every male character in the movie every almost every single human male character mm-hmm. in the movie with the exception of maybe her partner in the beginning right. like is constantly barraging her with like threats of sexual yeah. violence and yeah. stuff like that and and so it's it's very clear that like you know it's drawing a vision of the world where like patriarchy and and you know male dominance is still very pervasive and and yet she is like every single thing she does is is this like really cool awesome act of yeah, rebellion so it is. um and 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 of self-actualization too because it's even like the way she, she uses her sexuality well exactly yeah because it's like it's it's clear that she she has her own clear sexual identity mm-hmm. and her own needs and, right. and they are not on a man's terms mm-hmm. at all. So it's all so so like I it's 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 so full of amazing ideas mm-hmm. and and stuff. So it's like even in spite of its like clunky structural issues as a movie, mm-hmm. it's still a, an awesome movie yeah. to exist. And I'm happy it exists. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, like I was telling you, like, I feel like every time I watch it, I fall more in love with it because I feel like once you watch it a a couple of times, you, you learn to forgive its faults and you just love it for what it is. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. (laughs) Cause the first time I saw it, I was like, wow, this movie is a mess. It's a cool mess, but it's a mess. But then after you watch it again and again, you're like, you know what? I don't care how messy it is. What's the thing? Yeah. And it's a movie that I think I will probably come back to because like, I, I think like I what I'm feeling now in the experience of having just seen it for the first time is a little bit like just mentally fried. Yeah. From like Because it's exhausting. From from absorbing right. all of that information. There's a lot so, in the movie. <laughs> yeah. So so I think it's a movie that definitely kind of merits rewatches yeah. because of how packed it right. is in order to kind of just get your brain around everything that it's throwing at. Uh, you. we'll talk more about it here in a second, but first let's play some Tank Girl Trivia. Indeed. Yes. A lot to pull from in this movie. Oh man, it's, it's I just packed. Shoot. It's packed. I, that's a thing. Like it, yeah. We're 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 just gonna see. We're really just gonna see. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Let's I don't start know you off nice and easy. Good near the beginning of the movie. Uh, and now before we get started, uh, this as usual is gonna be five questions. They're gonna be in order from least difficult to most difficult. Then we're going to have a bonus question at the end that kind of strays from the world of the film a little bit. Mm -hmm. And the grand prize is bragging rights. Indeed. So question number one. Yes. What does Kessley, who is our main villain, what does he make Captain Darush do to prove his loyalty? (laughs) He makes him take off his boots and socks Mm -hmm. and makes him approach him on a floor covered in shattered glass. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, you know, we talked about, we saw, recently watched A, a Clockwork Orange, and yeah. we talked about how fantastic Malcolm McDowell was as Alex in, in A Clockwork Orange. He is a great villain in this movie. He is, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I think, like, uh, Malcolm McDowell, like, very clearly has a good finger on the pulse of, like, yeah. the movie. Right. Um he it's it's so clear he's having a ton of fun with it Mm -hmm. and and like he's 
and and he just like he he gives it that sort of gravitas but mm -hmm. also like is still just as bouncy within the world's own sort of bouncy zaniness right like he is he like like he because because like he obviously has the capacity to go really dark with right. stuff obviously having seen a clockwork orange yeah um and and other of those early performances and he is kind of dark in this but in a fun way exactly yeah right. dark in a fun way is definitely a good way to describe it because yeah no he's he's definitely a twisted evil character but um but yeah he's very much in line with the aesthetic as a whole and definitely um adds a lot to it mm -hmm. yeah. um part of his character like the way that it, it evolves through the storytelling goes back to what we were talking about how the film does get a little messy and gets away from each itself yeah uh, we'll talk a little bit more uh, about that specifically so keep that in mind but because i do yeah. think that that his character starts out really strong and then even though it's a satisfying end i i don't really appreciate all of the of the direction that they take his character. No fault to him. I okay. think his performance is great. Um, but let's go to question number two. You're doing great. You got that one. Good. Question number two is: What direction does Tank Girl have to speak for the Rippers to hear her? Ah, she has to speak to the West. To the West. To the West. Uh, T Saint lets her know that uh, they don't need communicators because their ears are big enough exactly. to pick up. Anything that she says, as long as she's pointing west. Oh, so so much good ear acting. Once we finally meet the Rippers, like yeah. the, the puppetry work that they did. To, Stan like... Winston did all the creature design for them, oh, yeah? and you know he's better known um, for the ter Terminator um, movies, and also for his fantastic work in Jurassic Park. He designed oh, wow. the the T Rex and all the all basically all of the puppet work in Jurassic Park. Oh my God! Okay, well then, yeah, no, mm -hmm. absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, the the designs of the Rippers are, are just so wild, and they are, and 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 like I I, I was able to pick out um, uh, Ice T, mm -hmm. um, uh, but I was I, I had a really hard time like trying to like piece together the other actors like right. who who was playing who. I think I'm scene, pretty so. sure like Ice T was the one who was most notable of the bunch for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, but but there were there were a few like familiar voices in mm -hmm. there, and, yeah. and and also like the faces were like kind of familiar enough but like really like but like obscured by the makeup but like not in a way that at all like blocked their ability to do the performances uh, a lot of the stuff with the rippers was was really funny yeah the i mean i i that that's one thing is like you we talk about it being episodic but uh well the introduction of the rippers really does fit i feel like the the third a three-act structure pretty much and and because like the whole movie's kind of like building up to like this mystery of who the rippers are yeah and when we finally get them like you it's not disappointing at all like they're <laughs> they're fantastic now in the comics the rippers are actually they look more kangarooish than they do in this movie they're basically kangaroos that can talk like anthropomorphic kangaroos yeah well i got that impression from like the the little animated mm -hmm. segments too is clear that it looked a lot more right a lot more like kangaroos and the <laughs> and the comics like this is definitely more like an origin story because the comics already have the tank girl as this established character with her tank and basically she goes on adventures with booga who is her kangaroo boyfriend nice and uh, so this is kind of like where they meet kind of thing yeah definitely. um but yeah they um rachel talele the director and stan winston purposefully tried to make them more human um Partly because they thought that it would like read better on film, but also partly because they thought that it would like give a better opportunity for the um, animatronic work, 
they thought that if it was just like you know guys inside kangaroo suits then it wouldn't it wouldn't give like that much opportunity to have like those cool movements and stuff yeah definitely one and and it was definitely yeah there there was a lot of really fun stuff that they did with it um it would be interesting to imagine obviously like in our sort of with with the cgi technology that we have now like what the what that might look like in a remake of the movie but um but yeah, no. For 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 its time period, um, yeah, definitely, yeah, definitely adds a lot of. Fun. I don't know if I would have liked it if it was CGI. I don't know. Like, there's something like yeah. that's. I don't. I I, I like mean, the aesthetic effects, would be. Yeah. You know? Well, I think like the aesthetic of a remake would be so different. It and, would be. Um, and in order to have like the budget you'd need for that CGI mm-hmm. work, like it would definitely be and a apparently, much more boring. Apparently, film. Margot Robbie, her production company, is developing a remake, <sighs> and she's gonna play Tank Girl. Oh, that sounds so cool. Right. Okay, I'm really excited. for <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. If I'm anyone really, can do it, it would be her. I'm I mean, pumped for this. Yeah, because basically be Tank awesome. Girl is like a Harley Quinn's soul sister. Pretty yeah, much. very much so. Yeah, Har- Harley Quinn as as portrayed the Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. All right, let's go to the next question. Question number three. Mm-hmm. Which songwriter and song do they sing at Liquid Silver? Uh they sing Cole Porter's Let's Do It. Let's do it. Let's fall in love. Oh, that, that whole sequence. Um, it was a ton of fun. And like, like again, I, I think though that that sequence was kind of like the starkest, um, the starkest example of like, the stakes issue mm-hmm. that I was talking about with the movie, and we'll probably talk about it a little more in, in a later section, mm-hmm. but, like, the fact that we have, like, the madam of this establishment who has just, like, you know, ordered to send, like, right, Sam, Sam mm-hmm. to, you know, entertain a guest who wants a schoolgirl experience, right. and then to kind of transition from Sam, like getting herself out of that situation yeah. but then also being rescued by Tank Girl and then to kind of have that be oh your big comeuppance is we're gonna force you to sing a Cole Porter song yeah it's like that's that that's sort of what I was talking about with like like just kind of trying to like reckon with like the stakes that the movie is like trying to establish and, I, I and, and how like- it and how it's how it's sort of maintaining that balance of like you know, portraying a dark mm-hmm. dystopic world, but also at the same time, like giving us this like very heightened, larger than life. And I do feel like too, that so. that's actually Tank Girl's uh, most reckless action, actually, because like that doesn't it, it just serves a purpose like for her to have fun. Basically, it's a very selfish yeah. choice. And, and it causes her to lose track of Sam, and so Sam gets captured again. Yeah, one, well, and, and, yeah, and, and But then, it's a great sequence, though. Well, that's the thing, it's a great sequence, but, but again, it's like, then that, and, and then that translates into the problems with how the movie tries to characterize Tank Girl, too, mm-hmm. because we never get a moment to then see, like, if Tank Girl actually necessarily feels any responsibility for that right. moment, or whether anybody else, like, gets an opportunity to call her out on, yeah. like, It doesn't having, seem like she ever does. Like, yeah. everything, all of her decisions are very opportunistic, I think. Yeah. The only, the only thing that she knows is that the water and power is trying to 
enslave her and yeah. so that's why she hates them because she no she doesn't like people to control her she's a very yeah. you know free spirit yeah well, so she gravitates to people who lets her be free yeah definitely and and i get that yeah i think um i think yeah for for the big ideas that the movie is definitely tracking in like i uh, i'm i'm very keenly interested in a in a modern adaptation mm-hmm. of it that does kind of wrestle with that with that kind of characteristicness of the fact that like she clearly she clearly understands the need to be self-sufficient and to survive for herself right. um but then also kind of balancing that with at the same time you know ne- needing to put others before herself too and mm-hmm. and 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 you know preserving the freedom of others as well because especially like that line that she has at the end when um when she says like i'd rather she die than yeah than be a slave right. to you and also that line was a little ambiguously written because i wasn't sure if tank girl was specifically saying i would rather uh i would rather sam die than sam be a slave to you or whether tank girl was saying i would rather sam die than i be a slave that's to how you. i read it yeah which came across a little again it's like a little self-serving which is yeah, which is pretty self-serving mm-hmm. if that's the case, and right. and and there's a big difference in in what that line was meant to convey, right. if that's what it mm-hmm. was meant to convey. So um, so yeah, there there's 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 room to explore, but like, yeah, but but again, it's already so packed full of amazing ideas. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so mm-hmm. yeah. All right, uh, you're doing great. You got three out of three so far. Okay, well. Here comes whew. question number four. Indeed. Uh, we They do mention this once at the very beginning of the movie. Actually, these last two questions go back to the very beginning of the movie. Oh, boy. First one here, or question number four. What year does the film take place? The film takes place in the year 2030. Close. It's 2033. Yeah, but you're uh, very well, close. Yeah, very close. We're yeah. only ten years away from this. Yeah, three. You know, yeah, three years is uh, Thir- thirteen not... years away from this. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Um. I mean, I, I like. I, I. I wonder what is it about Australia that just like screams post-apocalyptic wasteland? I know, right? Um. Was it shot on location? Do you know? Yeah, Girl was filmed over 16 weeks in three locations. The desert scenes were filmed in White Sands, New Mexico. The Liquid Silver Club was built in an abandoned shopping mall in Phoenix, Arizona. And the remaining scenes were filmed in Tucson, Arizona. Okay, well, uh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, it takes place, I mean, the comic book takes place in Australia, too, so. Yeah. But yeah, I think like Mad Max Fury Road, like even though it took, takes place in Australia, they they filmed it in Namibia, so... Fair. Yeah. Very fair. Because uh, I guess it's, you know... Yeah, that's the thing. Like, what... That's the thing. Like, Australia is actually, like, uh... Yeah, it's not all deserts there. Right. But, there like, is there a huge seems, desert, but... Yeah, but it, but it seems it seems that they're, they're really leaning on, on that sort of broad cultural idea mm-hmm. of, of Australia. I wonder it's if like, it also, you know, like, Australia is kind of... Has a reputation of being... Um, a world apart kind of you know it's always called the the land down under kind of yeah. thing like so I wonder if it's like the kind of thing where um, when the whole world collapses and just like goes to shit like the survivors are obviously Australia because they're the that's like the place in the planet that's closest to the Antarctic so maybe yeah. they maybe they survive like the heat fallout from a comet he- hitting the earth you know or from a nuclear war in as in Mad Max you yeah. know interesting yeah, yeah. Yeah, very, yeah, very, very distant. Very just, mm-hmm. yeah, send, send all the prisoners away from right. here. Like, exactly. Yeah. 
Okay, so you got one question left. Let's see if you can make it okay. a perfect five. Here yeah. we well, go. It, 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 it's a, oh, wait. I, I don't get credit for that one. but That's true. But, uh, yeah, let's... Never let's, mind. Rescind that. You know, let's see if you can make it four out of five. Let's hope. Let's <laughs> really hope. Here's the last question. What kind of animal does Tank Girl have as a pet at the beginning of the movie? She doesn't start out as Tank Girl. She starts out as blank girl oh oh darn um i i i remember what it looks like i don't mm-hmm. know what it is and and i forget whether she specifically said the name of the type of animal she but it's not it does it is not mentioned in the movie okay at all. um but we do see the animal i'm gonna i'm gonna call it i'm gonna call it a yak the yak. I mean, that's a fair. I think that's a fair um, guess. Although yaks are usually found in colder climates, I would say. Yeah, like in the true. Himalayas. That is true. That Mongolia. Is true. Yeah, because I wanted to say water buffalo, but it's not a. You buffalo. You should have gone with water buffalo. I should it have. It is a water buffalo. It is a water. That's oh, what it is. No! <laughs> it's a water buffalo. No, not cool. Not- and ironic too, right? Because there's no water. Mm-hmm. There are exactly now. There are two species of buffalo, and I'm not counting bison. Bison is not a true buffalo; it's a bison. Yeah. But it's known as the American buffalo. But there are two species of, or two big, bigger species of buffalo. That's probably what threw me further from calling it a water buffalo was the fact that I was like thinking of bison, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and was like, well, it's it's definitely not a bison, right? So, so we got the African buffalo, who is the larger of the two species, and they live in the savanna in Africa. And um, we're, I think, more familiar with the way that they look. But then we got the water buffalo. The water buffalo is native to Southeast Asia, and uh, they're just, you know, like some cool-looking cows, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, you know, got some horns, but but generally pretty chill looking. Okay. Yeah. Too bad to see him go though. That was, I mean, honestly, you don't shoot a, that's, that was yeah. like her John Wick moment. Yeah. <laughs> Very much. It's like, like shoot her, shoot her boyfriend, but please do not shoot her butter buffalo. Yeah. Come on. True. But then she gets, her tank kind of becomes like her new pet, I think. Yeah, a little bit. Mm-hmm. The spirit lives on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that actually would have been cool if, if uh, she had like had like a picture of her water buffalo or something or like a little cartoon in, like in, in the, the tank. Yeah. To like give it like a spirit animal kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, something like that. All right, so you got three out of five, so you got That's some okay. so you got some bragging rights. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit, of, a little bit of bragging. You could use the bonus though. I could, I could. Here's hoping. All right, the bonus is actually about the comic strip or the comic books, the Tangle right. comics. All right. Um, which is illustrated, as I mentioned, by Jamie Hewlett. Now, Jamie Hewlett is also known as the co-creator of which virtual band? And you might recognize a similarity between the styles of this comic and the style of these Oh, interesting. Well, it's the only virtual band that I'm familiar with, (laughs) but, uh, uh, oh, dang, uh, Gorillaz. Correct! Yeah. The Gorillaz! (laughs) The Gorillaz, He co-created the Gorillaz alongside Blur frontman Damon Alburn. Mm Mm-hmm. And they... 
make a lot of great music, honestly. That they do. That they do. I love Feel Good Incorporated. It's oh, it's such great. a such a good song. Good song. And yeah, like the 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 characters, they look like the characters from Tank Girl. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, very similar uh, visual aesthetic. No, actually, Rachel Talele, the director of this movie, who she, I mean, a- again, going back to the whole like female perspective thing, like I think that she handled for the most part the directing of this movie really well the action scenes were well choreographed like the uh the, the camera movement the blocking like it's a really well-made movie i think yeah yeah no i think it's it's a lot of fun and um and and like the the style like her her specific approach to the style mm-hmm. i think definitely is consistent throughout the movie mm-hmm. um and and also i think that um the way she uh integrated both the live action with the right. animated segments too um definitely doesn't detract at all it, right. it definitely you know adds to the kind of just how sort of off kilter and off the rails mm-hmm. their entire existence right. is so um so yeah no i think that she definitely had had a really great uh, firm grip on just like the 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 aesthetic that she was trying to establish, and um, so definitely great consistently through there. I think it's just my my issues with the film, yeah, are mainly more just like the structure of the story mm-hmm. and um, and and yeah, that kind of just how it's trying to convey the stakes of of the situations they're in at any given moment and how they balance out the comedy. Now, she was first introduced to the material when her stepdaughter gave her a Tank Girl book as a Christmas present while she was shooting her directorial debut film, which was Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare in 1991, which was the sixth Nightmare on Elm Street movie. She read the comic book between takes and became interested in directing a Tank Girl film. Uh, She actually worked closely with the comic's co-creators Alan Martin and Jamie Hewlett during the film's production and selected Catherine Hardwick to be the production designer. Now, we know Catherine Hardwick. um, She directed uh, the Twilight movie. She's directed a few other uh, films. So she's also a a great, um, well, maybe not in reference to Twilight, but she's also a well-known female uh, filmmaker, I would say. For sure. Um, Now, the studio wasn't happy with Hardwick, who had relatively unknown experience at the time, um, because she was picked over more experienced designers, and but Talele had to meet with the production for the producers to persuade them to allow Hardwick to work on the project, and she actually talks about how throughout the entire production of this movie and the filming, uh, she was constantly. Um, just like the producers were like constantly trying to like sap, not maybe like sabotage, but like to wrestle control from her. In fact, the original cut of the movie, she says that they cut over an hour of the movie and that she had like a few scenes kind of in different way, uh, in different, um, in a different order. And they ultimately edited it. Uh, in a way that she did not sign off on, and that's the movie that they released. Really? Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So even though it's still a really fun movie, apparently it's not like, I wouldn't call it her director's cut of the film. Well, that's interesting. I mean, I think that that does say something about how, um, 
Yeah, about about kind of where those structural issues kind of take place because like that's that's definitely an editing note mm-hmm. for sure. And, and so and if, Lele, if, if if she was overruled on right. on a lot of those editing calls, then um yeah. And Talele's a competent filmmaker, so there's really no reason for that. Like she's directed uh, many episodes from Doctor Who, Ally McBeal, uh, Crossing Jordan, a lot of TV work for her. I mean, she's she's done she a lot of shit. work, yeah. right? And and the studio like interfered in the. Studio story uh development the screenplay the feel and tone of the film uh she said that she had been in sync and in good terms with the comic book creators until the studio made the significant cuts and edits which she had no control over and it soured the relationship between alan martin and jamie hewlett and her to like at the point now where they they don't have good feelings towards her or the movie Um, But she says it wasn't her fault. She said she had a really good relationship until the studio interfered with the movie. Damn. That's crazy. Yeah. Fucking patriarchy, man. Right? Um, Ice-T recalled one interview in a hip-hop show. This is actually a a, a fun little thing. So he was being interviewed in a hip-hop show, and the host made fun of him for being in this movie. And so he replied, he said, well, I was paid $800,000 for that movie, and that shut the, ho- the host up. I guess. I think he could have been proud of that performance, too, though. I mean, I think he really he, he really gave his all in it. And, and uh, he it was clear, he, I think he was having a lot of fun with it. And he also um, sings the song, like the Tank Girl rap. Yeah, that's it. yeah, it's a cool fucking track. Yeah. It was it was fun to listen to during the closing credits. She I like it. Soft, but she carries a big gun. Yeah, it's great. It's, it's awesome. It's got yeah, it's got a kind of a it's got a sort of a I don't know. It it it, it sticks with you, mm-hmm. you know? I think it 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 could it could have been one of the greats. Who knows? Who knows? Let's uh, go into our first GSV segment. This one is shot 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 shots. So, I mean, this is, again, I feel like it's a very comic booky movie. It's a very, like, I can totally see, like, maybe appealing to kids kind of film. But there yeah. is a lot of violence and sex in this movie. Yeah. You know, in a way, it um, it, it uh, reminded me of, uh, oh, my God, what's what's the name of that Bruce Willis movie that we saw? Hudson Hawk. Hudson, it really like right. kind of reminds me of Hudson cartoon Hawk for in terms adults. of yeah yeah very similar kind of cartoon for adults vibe mm-hmm. just like very zany very right. wacky like you know weird visual humor and then also at the same time just like really dark you know themes and a lot of violence mm-hmm. and and swearing and sex and all that stuff. There's so. a lot of death in this movie. Yeah, for sure. If you had to take a guess. What do you think? What's the number? How many Mm. killings? How many deaths? Deaths. I'm going to say... I'm going to say 65. Mm. Am I I, I short or am I... You're short. I am short. Damn. Yeah, by about 100. Really? (laughs) Now, I know that we've had issues with this before, but according to... The movie body count website. Okay. The number of deaths are 159. 159. Mm-hmm. And they actually had a uh, a link to a video on YouTube for this one specifically. Okay. That, had, that has a montage of like every single death from the movie and a yeah. counter counting them up. Yeah, yeah. I've uh, yeah I've seen that. I think I've seen that channel before. That's just devoted mm-hmm. to like a quick a quick supercut of just all the deaths right. in the movies. So. And there's arrows pointing to all the dead people. So 
It's hard to argue. That's I guess. a good. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's a. I I'd buy that as a source. Yeah, but a lot of them are are people. I I what I noticed are people that were already dead. Okay, not so quite, they didn't die. They in didn't the scene. die in the scene, but then you know the camera shows a bunch of like dead bodies everywhere, and they counted them, which may have been people that had already died previously. Okay, is what I'm. Is the only thing that I would think because that is an insane number of deaths for this movie. For sure, definitely. But yeah, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of great action scenes, and a lot of the mayhem is caused by Tank Girl, but a lot of it is caused by the Rippers. Yeah, the Rippers are definitely a formidable force, mm-hmm. and, and and I probably should have guessed a little higher just based on how much ass they kick, right? Because um, they definitely thrash some some people up. They do, like, but fierce. They do. Um, Each Ripper makeup took about four hours to apply. There were three ooh. technicians from Stan Winston Studio that were required to work on each Ripper's articulation during filming. Um, no, no actual puppets or digital effects were used. They're animatronic, so it is puppetry, but not quite puppets. You know, yeah. um, the actor said that it was like wearing a couch on their bodies. Every actor complained about the costume, except for Ice T. See, there you go. <laughs> I, I am telling you, Ice T could have stood up for himself a little better in right. that interview. Mm-hmm. Like, good for him for getting paid the, the $800,000 for mm-hmm. the movie. But also at the same time, I, I think he had fun. And I, yeah. think he should, I think he should have admitted that he had fun doing it. A lot of people actually <laughs> think that. And, and, and it, I know the reason why they didn't do it because Booga, again, it's canon with the comic book. Yeah. But a lot of people actually ship T-Saint and Tank Girl. Really? Yeah. Uh, yeah I don't know. Like, the, I didn't see that much. I didn't see them butt heads that much. I right. mean, yeah, he definitely is like, why are we listening to her? But, mm-hmm. like, beyond that, they don't really butt heads enough for me to, to necessarily buy that ship. Just because, like, there's, I, there's I think not, there's makes not sense. a... Yeah, no, definitely. Because well, even, like, her human boyfriend at the beginning is a very, like, dumb boy. I think that that's the kind of guy that she likes. Is she like a likes, guy that she can boss around. Yeah, she she likes <laughs> she likes a little himbo energy, right, you know. Right. Um, and and also I I think like the fact that he's a bit of an outsider and yeah. and like the way he um the way he kind of sees things a little differently right. from everybody else. And he I is. think that that makes him a very good match for her because mm-hmm. like she she clearly has a very kind of unique perspective of the world, even just like j- just like even within this dystopic world like even like pretty much every person who interacts with her is even like what is what is your deal right so um so yeah i think it it makes sense that uh that her boyfriend uh would would be a similar type of soul Mm -hmm. now when uh asked in an interview why it was that ice t you know didn't complain about it he replied that it was better than prison well, there you go. So that's his comparison. Uh, but the interesting thing about that is like when Tank Girl asked T-Saint what he used to be in a former life, he says a cop, right? Yeah. And we all know that Ice-T would go on to play Detective Odafin Totula in Law & Order Special Victims Unit. Yeah. So so this would have predated that, I yeah. guess. Um, but that's, yeah, because he started playing uh, Totula in 1999, so oh, by a few years. Okay, that, that's nice. That's yeah. Nice. Ahead of the curve there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it would have been a funny it would have been a funny just like reference on its own. So <laughs> what are some of the more memorable um violent moments in in this movie? Mm. Now we talked about the rippers a little bit. They do a little bunch of ripping, but I think like the more memorable things to me are definitely Tank Girl. For sure. Um I think like 
for starters, I love the tank. The mm-hmm. tank looks like oh, so much badass. fun because, like, you for starters, you can fucking grill hot dogs right. on the thing right. while you're shooting somebody. She had an and easy tr- chair and chasing up there. Them. Yeah. So, so uh, ed- anything involving Tank Girl and her apparently sentient tank yeah. that yeah. her seems pet tank. To, yeah, her pet tank that seems to do a lot of the driving shooting of its own mm-hmm. volition. Mm-hmm. Um, I also uh, was intrigued by. Uh, our villain's little um, water extraction right. stabby thing yeah. that stabs someone and That's drains their dark. blood and then drains the water yeah. from the blood and the person like hell, hell of a filter let's yeah. just say right. if I'm draining somebody's body for water I think I would probably run it through a few more filters before <laughs> I drank it just me personally hey, he trusted it. it was like, clear as a bell that water though yeah, it, was no, it looked it looked clear. It looked like Dasani. Looked looked a little better than my tap water. Sometimes. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's uh that, that that was really cool. Like when he did that, and then he just drank the water, and, and yeah. he's walking on the glass like nothing. You like. know, got 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 a got to show a little flex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I loved. Uh, I mean, there's like two instances related to Tank Girl specifically. Um, when she's standing guard outside the house, and the um. I guess like the water and power, what would you oh, yeah, call him? The, like the a soldier. henchman or soldier yeah. or something like mercenary, whatever you call him. Like whenever he was trying to rough her up a little bit or sex her up and she completely turns the tables on him and takes his uh, grenade pins and he blows up. Yeah, that was a good, that moment. was a great moment. And then when they're transporting her to the water and power where the other guy tries to sexually assault her, basically. Yeah. And, yeah, that was a great moment. And she keeps her cool and just like fucking snaps his neck. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, that 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 scene was, I think, just kind of like a perfect encapsulation of like tank girl's whole approach to you know the world just like that the you know she'll she'll find herself in situations where she's at a severe disadvantage mm-hmm. but she'll still just you know she'll still just crack wise and right. um she'll still ultimately come out on top yeah i feel yeah. i mean again going back to what i was talking about earlier with james bond like we see a we see a ton of male characters act like that in movies but it's very rare to see like a female character act like that. And yeah, who's like that unflappable, right? You know? And and especially like when the torture really begins in earnest. And again, yeah. that was that was one of the things where I was I was I was like struggling a bit with like the stakes because again, it was like she's been captured just now and she just lost her home and you know her partner's been killed and Sam's been abducted and and so she didn't seem at all phased. But then it was clear that like when they really started to like mm-hmm. try to break her and we're doing like the claustrophobia thing and like you know leaving her in the freezer and stuff mm-hmm. like that like it was clear that that stuff was definitely getting through to her and we were starting to see like the impact yeah. it was having on her but she was still keeping her cool and you know quipping away you regardless know what, you even. know what it reminded me of it reminded me of that episode of um firefly where we have uh, captain reynolds and wash get captured oh yeah and then they're being tortured and and all like and 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 Reynolds and Wash are still like right. yeah, fighting each other over Zoe like yeah. the whole time. Yeah, yeah, Malcolm is just like you know throwing these quips out and just trying to keep like Wash's spirits up basically yeah. by keeping it going. And and then Wash, whenever Zoe rescues him, like he says, you know, he's a madman yeah. and he's talking about Reynolds and he says like he you know he didn't break once. Yeah, and that's kind of what it remind what uh, Tank Girl reminds me of. Yeah, very you know? much so. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. 
Um, yeah, it's a lot a, of fun. Yeah, it's great. So will we get like the poet um, uh, kangaroo guy, ripper guy. Yeah. The cool jazz kangaroo. Yeah. And he like sacrifices himself basically for his for his ripper friends. Yeah. And that's really cool. I thought like it, it kind of gave me like a a uh, feeling like, oh, this is kind of lethal weapon ish with the sacks coming in when he dies. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I, I thought that was a really cool, mo- a really cool death scene, a really appropriate death. Yeah, scene yeah. For Mr. Jack moment. Kerouac, I don't remember his actual. I know that everyone called him Jack Kerouac. Yeah, but. yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I, I missed his name. Um, and and the actor sounded. The I was trying to pin down the actor's voice, but I couldn't quite. DT is the guy's name, and it's Reg E. Kathy, who plays ah. him, and he's known for being in The Mask. Fantastic Four, SWAT, Luke Cage, but yeah, he—I thought that was a—he was a really good, cool character too. The the whole like cool jazz thing and yeah, definitely. the saxophone and everything. Um, I do want to talk more about a couple of violent moments, but they kind of fold into the next segment. So let's Absolutely. go into the next segment, which is called. Boob tube. We're talking about the gratuitous nudity and sex in yeah, this movie. Definitely, there is a, quite a quite a fair bit of uh, sexual talk, to be sure, and mm-hmm. and quite a fair bit of uh, skin is shown. There is partial well. nudity, male wise and female wise. Yeah, at the uh, at the liquid silver, the pasties. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Wh- what do you think about? This movie's attitude towards sex, again, we talk about how it, it does have a very strong feminist perspective. Yeah, definitely. Well, and it's like, it's it's definitely painting a world where the patriarchy still exists in mm-hmm. full force. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's it certainly makes that clear just by virtue of the fact that both uh, Tank Girl and Jet are are you know, constantly harangued by, you know, in Tank Girl's case, just almost all the guys that she encounters, they all, like, you know, they all make some sort of attempt at sexually assaulting her in some way. Um, And then uh, we have Jet, who has that one officer in particular who's, like, constantly, you know, trying to... Trying to workplace harassment. Yeah, yeah, very much a workplace (laughs) harassment thing. Though also, again, she is basically a slave in that position too. It Mm -hmm. seems. Um, And that's the other moment of violence that I that I really wanted to highlight was, I mean, talk about first of all, talk about glow up. Like Jet Girl's arc in this movie, she's actually, I will say, my favorite character in the movie. Yeah, she's pretty cool. I stand Jet Girl pretty much. For sure, Wash is awesome. And I love how subtle the glow up is too. It's not like she's all that where, you know, it's like uh, a makeover transformation, but it's like all in her terms. It's more, it's very subtle. Like, yes, they do add a little bit of makeup touches here and there, but it's more of an attitude thing. And I really love that. Well, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, it, yeah, her character definitely goes through uh, considerable growth in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, more than I would say Tank Girl, honestly. Like, uh, absolutely. Tank Girl, Tank no, Girl. No, Tank Girl is a very flat character. Yeah. yeah there's no, um, there's no arc there. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, um, so, so yeah, the fact that, um, yeah, even she obviously is, is, uh, is going through that kind of a workplace harassment mm-hmm. situation mm-hmm. and, um, so. And her final encounter with that guy, I, I love that. I love that. I love when she's like, when he's like, fuck me. And she's like, I told you I don't want to. And exactly. he fucking shoots him. Well, that's the thing too, is that like, it's clear that. 
yeah. So, so, so to go back to that question about like the movie's attitude towards sex, it's it's clear that it's clear that it 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 paints a picture of a world where there is still that imbalance and where women are you know women do have to kind of you know are are you know their their own sexual agency mm-hmm. is is put on assault by yeah. by the men who control yeah. the resources and everything um at the same time i think you know the character of tank girl is so great because she also just has like a very a very voracious sexual appetite she really does and, yeah. um uh and 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 the film is very uh and, and and i think it's like there's a lot of fun that's had mm-hmm. with that and um so uh you, i mean she's apparently like a very open sexual person like she has no problem being sexual with guys girls and kangaroos yeah <laughs> so. exactly um so so yeah i i think yeah definitely kind of having a a, a, a i guess you could say a pansexual right. kind of pansexual. Uh, character yeah. there mm-hmm. um so so yeah no i mean i think the movie definitely has fun with it and and that's the thing is that i think that that that's that's good that they made a point of of keeping that about her character because it's it's it it sort of brings home the fact that like you know it's it's not that sex is bad right. it is that it is that when those who you know control society mm-hmm. you know enact acts of sexual violence that the imbalance of power the, yeah and the imbalance of power and and so Coercion. that and 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 that people need to be able to to have their own sexual agency and their own ability to be expressive of their own needs and mm-hmm. um so uh so yeah i think tank girl is 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 a great character to kind of sort of embody that mm-hmm. and um yeah it's a lot of fun because we do have also i feel like uh, in jet going back to jet girl's case like i feel like there's that other a ripper character who does do like the dopey come ons that she is not receptive to. As yeah, well. a little bit too, and also because the rippers are deaf. Even the rippers like have those moments where they're like, "Oh, we're gonna make them strip," right, and, and all that stuff. Um, and and one, it's interesting too because I think like Jet, when we first meet Jet Girl, like you know she you know, is try is sort of like pleading with Tank Girl to uh, you know, just be cooperative right. and, and, right. and you know, if you if you behave, they'll leave you alone. Mm-hmm. And and so um so yeah, for her so so there's there's a, a process of self-actualization for her. And Tank Girl obviously just stands in complete opposition to that because in yeah. spite of the fact in spite of the fact that, you know, men throughout the film are trying to visit sexual violence upon her, like she still never lets that prevent her from being able to be just as expressive right. about her own sexuality right. yeah, so so all. yeah i think it's it's a really great uh, it's a really great approach to that story again i think i think it, we we run into that issue with stakes again because of how much of it is a little bit played up for comedy when mm-hmm. it's like it's a very you know it's it's a very it's a very real pervasive thing mm-hmm. today for certain and, right. and i'm certain it was just as bad if not worse back in 1995 and you know it's a pretty bleak it's a pretty bleak thing to say that even in even in the dystopic apocalypse the patriarchy still rages on i mean i'm I'm sure that the producers that were meddling in the in the film also i'm sure they were guys i'm sure yeah, Most no, I mean, I mean, yeah, well, and that's... So even I, then, I think the, the patriarchy was, like, sabotaging this film. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, and, and I do wonder about that. I mean, it, it, it like, watching it now in 2020, there is, there is something about the film that does feel 
subversive about mm-hmm. about like you know sort of the way it it uh it really empowers you know women's own sexual agency right. i would say um and, and i could be wrong in that matter so if there's anybody who who feels otherwise i would certainly like to hear from them in the twitter comments but um yeah but at gsv pod on twitter exactly at gsv pod on twitter um but uh yeah from from my perspective uh yeah i definitely found the film to be yeah a really interesting uh you know subversive mix of just mm-hmm. how 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 in in the patriarchy's face the film seems to be about you know women's rights to be expressive and as authentically themselves as they would like to be. Uh, another going back again to the comparison with like other antiheroes, like male antiheroes. Another way that this movie does subvert, I think, um, cinema in, in in general is that is the buddy. Aspect of it, you don't mm-hmm. see a lot of like buddy films where it's two women, and I really dig that about this movie. Also, yeah, definitely, and and they're two very and they're both very distinct characters, right. um, and and really good performances oh, yeah. by both Naomi Watts and uh, Lori Petty, Lori, and Lori Petty. Um, In I, fact, Naomi Watts had never worked on a big budget production before, and she kept hiding behind Lori Petty because she was afraid. And Petty and Rachel Talele worked together to bring out her shi- bring her out of her shyness. So, actually, a lot of the movie seems to be, or the character seems to be, you know, pulled from very natural, her, right? Yeah, you know, her, that's fascinating right. to hear. Um, and. Yeah, and and I mean she does. Yeah, she she does a fantastic job, and mm-hmm. and it's clear you see the movement in her character by the end of the film. I, I yeah, I, I like again the more I'm thinking about like yeah, kind of like my I guess my issues with Tank Girl's characterization because again I don't necessarily have a problem with Laurie Petty's performance. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe the bigger issue is just the fact that Tank Girl as a character seems to be pretty arcless. Like you said, her her trajectory in the film is pretty flat. Yeah. We don't ever really see... We don't ever really see her own beliefs or perspective of the world get challenged and changed mm-hmm. in any way. Like, she pretty much is like where she's at at the beginning of the film is where she is at by the end of the film. Yeah. And there's but, not- if a, but if a character follows a heroic um, arc then, you know, it's okay for them to be flat. They don't have to grow in every single... Not every main character has to have a, a an arc of growth, you know? There are flat growth characters. Yeah, I, I think... I think it, it doesn't necessarily have to be growth, but I think that you... You need a shift of some sort, though. Mm-hmm. I, I think that if if it's not growth, there still has to be... There still has to be a... a there still has to be something that that challenges the character's perspective of the world in order in order in order to have if if you're going to have the story be about the character like you you need you need an obstacle that that challenges yeah that that challenges their perspective of the world or their beliefs or or sort of calls something that's fundamental to themselves into question mm-hmm. um because because otherwise the you you lose you lose you you know you you lose the the stakes in terms of that you you don't get a moment where you're not sure if the character is actually going to succeed right. so the fact that tank girl you know 
is is very capable and very competent and always survives and there's never anything in the film that actually challenges her perspectives or calls on her to grow or to develop means that like you can pretty much sit back and relax for the entire film because you're you're never seeing anything that actually shakes her to her core and you never have a moment where as an audience you're not sure if she's going to succeed in this ordeal or how she's going to get through. And mm-hmm. she pretty much is kind of failure proof for the entire film. So I think that's, that ends up feeling like a bit of a weakness. And, and, right. and, and again, I think that like, I, I get why she's kind of crafted that way because like, she's, you know, she, again, she is a, a just such an intrinsically rebellious character, and mm-hmm. and she flies in the face of the world order of the film's universe. Like her whole presence is, you know, is to subvert everything else. I think that so 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 there's a challenge there from a writing perspective in how to have somebody who is that wholly authentic and and so thoroughly rebels against the entire universe but then you still have to try to find a way to to challenge her on a personal level too and, right. and that was something that I think the film lacked like a a serious a serious challenge or a serious obstacle that as an audience, we actually find ourselves questioning how is she actually going to surpass that? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's, that's something that I think is a flaw. And again, that's partially because of the fact that the film kind of has this episodic structure and doesn't really have the arc of she, it doesn't have as clean of a sort of cinematic arc. Right. Quote unquote. Right. Yeah. So. I mean that's a fair point, but I also I also do think like I I taking this just a step back like yeah you know there I think that that's another instance where we see tons of movies where male characters are allowed to be static or flat characters yeah and we don't really question it you know and but we don't ever see that from a female character so in a way that's kind of like challenging those perceptions too like I mean yeah I agree with you that the story arc of the film as a whole yeah. um leaves much to be desired and and it is a very shaggy lumpy movie as you described but i don't necessarily think that tank girl as the character i don't think that that the the fault is like how she is characterized herself because we got like you know going back to james bond james bond never grows in his films like he he's always a static character sherlock holmes is a pretty static character but we we're a lot we are um accustomed to seeing men act that way but yeah. we're not accustomed to seeing like a female character be static and not have I any mean, yeah I, I definitely agree with that in james bond in particular yeah i think james bond's definitely a very good a, a very good example of of a male characterization that that doesn't fit that up mm-hmm. until up until casino royale up until I the daniel is, craig era yeah, up until the daniel craig era where mm-hmm. where they actually do a good job a, a much better job of of really creating arcs for mm-hmm. the character mm-hmm. um but yeah i don't know that's that's something i would have liked to have seen i would i would have liked to have seen i would have liked to have seen some sort of uh, some sort of a revelation for tank girl i just i would have liked to have seen I would like to have seen her come to realization about something by the end of the film that she didn't have at the beginning of the film that Mm -hmm. I, I just think, I just think your main character needs to have at least that Mm -hmm. at minimum. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, then, you know, just, yeah, I, 
yeah, I, I, I think I think you need some sort of a movement for a character in a film in general, mm-hmm. like just for 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 your main character. of the Well, film. she goes from being badass to being even more badass. <laughs> she has a tank and she has a kangaroo boyfriend. This is true. This is true. <laughs> Look, acquiring a tank and a, and a kangaroo boyfriend. That's, that's goals. That's, that's, th- those are goals. Those are serious goals. Now, when Lori Petty first looked at the script and she saw a sketch of the lead character, uh, she actually laughed out loud and says, that's me. I'm Tank Girl. <laughs> and it really is really awesome. perfect casting, I think. Um, yeah, she, yeah, like, that's a thing. Like, I think her performance is so great. Um, she's, yeah, Lori Petty is great in it. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, something interesting about, since we're still technically talking about, like, the sex in the movie, something yeah. interesting that MGM, again, this is one of the ways that they interfered in the film. They cut a scene uh, with Tank Girl and, the, and Booga. Um, I know we, we, we kind of like have that scene, like the post sex scene, Yeah, you know, where it's kind of heavily implied that they've just had sex, but they cut like part of that out. Um, despite the film spending $5,000 for a prosthetic penis for Booga, they cut the scene out because they didn't want to show a prosthetic kangaroo penis in a film. Wow. Yeah. So so what was it like going to be like a sex scene or it just wasn't like gonna, scene it was of... going to be a post sex scene but it was going to be more explicit that they had just finished having wow. sex. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing that they had a prosthetic penis right. all ready to go for it. Stan Winston, he doesn't and they, and they and they spent the money. They spent the money. $5,000? 5000 dollars That's how much a prosthetic penis costs for a kangaroo. Yeah. Let's go into our final GSB segment. This is called... Uh, That's Problematic. problematic. All right. Well, this is the mid-90s. So even though it is a very heavy feminist movie, there is still some problematic stuff. We talked a little bit about it in in terms of of the the sexual attitudes um, towards our female protagonists. But... Even beyond that, I would say there's a couple of uh, problematic things. You know, there. Yeah. I think the portrayal of the Chinese doctor is a little problematic. Yeah, that was that was that was a choice. Yeah, that was pretty. Yeah, yeah, for him to be a, painted in such a broad, you know, a broad stereotypical stroke like that. Mm-hmm. Not not great. Um, cool that he talked in his own language and had the. Had the translator on his neck. That was that was a nice little touch, though. That was pretty cool. Um, and he was played by James Hong. I feel like James Hong is one of those like legendary character actors who's like yeah. in a ton of stuff. And you yeah, know, you see him in like everything. He was like. in Mulan. He actually played a very similar looking character in Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a thing. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, definitely a bit of a broad stereotype there. Mm-hmm. Um, we got Iggy Pop playing Ratface, the pedophile. We talked a little bit about him, but that's pretty problematic, you know? Yeah, well, and and, and again, I think, I mean, like the... Because they played the, it up for laughs? Well, it's it's the fact that, I think it's more just that, like, the movie just, again, it's just, I, 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 I found myself kind of having difficulty sort of grappling with, like, how the movie was trying to convey its stakes to the audience right. and and like you know like that's just like like pedophilia is just such a gut-wrenching thing yeah and and specifically to have like a a child character in the film right. who who has just kind of been offered up in that way mm-hmm. and for the film to kind of just sort of 
flippantly move through it and past it without without really sort of reckoning with that. And and again, it's like it and and yeah, and I think it is the fact that like as you pointed out, like it's inter it intermingles more with the comedy mm-hmm. in a way than with the world building mm-hmm. because again, it's like you know if you're if you're trying to you know establish like just what a what a hell world we're in now like now that society has fallen and you know these towns have their own rules and whatnot like you still have to find a way to you you know your your still your audience still isn't an audience in 2033 mm-hmm. of the film's universe mm-hmm. so it 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 just yeah i i i wondered and and I'm not sure like what the answer is about how they could have handled that differently, but yeah, like the 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 sort of the flippant way they kind of moved through those beats. And I'm actually wondering if maybe that's that was one of those aspects of the movie that uh, was kind of killed by the studio meddling in the editing. Yeah. I wonder if they're because like you know it's kind of weird that they had Iggy Pop play just like this really blink and you miss it cameo, and I'm wondering if maybe there wasn't like a, another version of this movie that kind of showed us a little more of the danger behind it. Yeah, I, I wonder about that. Um, not that do you, not that we want to see more of it, but you know, like no, just but, to, to well, no, but up like the stakes, like you were saying. Yeah, like that's the thing. It, it's like, it, yeah, it. It leaves it leaves a weird taste in my mouth that there wasn't a that there wasn't more of a sense of urgency mm-hmm. of, uh, in in terms of how you know how they would try to get her out of that situation. Because even like so. Tank Girl when she shows up and 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 props for the movie I think for letting Sam get out of the situation on her own. I actually do like that about the movie. I agree. Um, but yeah. then when she like immediately meets uh, Tank Girl, Tank Girl's like, "Hey, if you treat the customers like that, they're yeah, gonna exactly. fire you." So. Which is like a funny line. It's mm-hmm. just like yeah, it it just kind of. Yeah, it's a funny line. It just, I, yeah, there just was something missing in the storytelling about, like, yeah, about, about, about the value that Sam holds to Tank Girl, mm-hmm. you know? Like, yeah. What did you think about the calendar shoot? Like, that, that, uh, <laughs> kind of like reversal of, uh, of there of like having like the guys be the calendar models and kind of uh, like the, I thought that was great right I, th- I, th- I thought the that was great I saw yeah I saw nothing problematic <laughs> in that honestly I thought that was just a lot of fun um uh I think I, there was a lot of fun that they had in terms of how into it the guys were right I just I just thought that was a great touch it's pretty um, cute you yeah, know there's a lot like of cute, cute things in this movie yeah yeah there's a lot yeah that's a thing um it's just like the fact that this this world is is so it, it is adult cartoon it mm-hmm. really is an adult cartoon world so you have these characters who are just so much larger than life mm-hmm. um what did you think about tank girl uh saving jet by pretending to be her girlfriend what do you think about that <laughs> uh you know smooth move um yeah, I think that, yeah, I thought that was just kind of a fun moment. Um, one, you know, might question if if Tank Girl, like, after Joe, after Jet was like, I almost called her Joan Jet. <laughs> Joan if, Jet. If, if, if Jet was like, oh, thank you for that, and she was like, thanks for what? Like, oh, are you taking advantage of her a little bit? Or something mm-hmm. like that. But, um, but other than that, um, clearly it was much more a moment of solidarity between the two characters. Yeah, I think that was even, more of like a don't mention Girl, it. Yeah, even if Tank thing. Girl had a, had a fun moment with 
it. Um, but the guy's reaction, again, I don't know the guy's name, the douchebag's reaction, like, he was kind of <laughs> disgusted by it. Yeah, it was interesting that he kind of had that disgust about it and walked away from the situation. Um, yeah. But, but I mean, again, that's like, that's in line with our audience's values, I think, yeah. though, too. The fact that, like, oh, yeah, the guy's an asshole. He's been harassing her in the workplace for this whole time. And that's the thing, is that, like, the movie is pretty clear in its perspective about, about like, like, the movie definitely is portraying a pervasive, misogynistic, patriarchal, you know, existence in this world um but the movie is clearly critical of it like Mm -hmm. because those are those men are all villains um i think i did feel a little uneasiness about the initial establishment of the rippers and the fact that like the rippers like there was that one ripper who had the line like let's just hump them and right uh, so like that that gave me a little uneasiness how how quickly we all became allies in the wake of that Mm -hmm. um the Rippers and, and, are kind of casually sexist. Yeah, they're kind of like casually sexist. And and so, again, it's like, so that's not great. But they do but, respect but, them but, but they, or, yeah, or they, come to respect they, them. They come to respect them. And, and, and once it's clear that they can be allies, then, like, yeah, they don't ever really. I, lo- I love the They scene. don't ever really transgress against the the female characters. I, I love this. I love this scene afterwards. in the jet um, when uh, Jet Girl is like going off on them and says, "You're gonna listen to me. Gonna shut up." And then Ice T is like, "Okay, cool." Like, yeah, yeah. That's sort of like the memorial. They're like, "Okay, fine, yeah, yeah. We, we got, we got it. Yeah, definitely. We, we understand the dynamic. Yeah, just takes sure. them a little bit to get there, you know. Yeah, very much so. But uh, there's some of that growth there. <laughs> yeah, character growth. Exactly, character growth. It's funny that you mentioned, uh, or that you wanted to call her Joan Jett, because the uh, version of Let's Do It that appears at the end, the more like punk rock version, is actually sung by Joan Jett and exactly. the Exactly, that's, that's why that was in my head, because uh, I saw her during the credits. But it's, uh, I mean, that's a great, uh, the, what did you think uh, about the soundtrack in the movie? Oh, so good, so, so good. good, so much fun. Again, just, it really puts you in the 90s, right, right smack dab in the middle of the 90s. It's great pumping soundtrack. Um, yeah, so much fun. Um, there's got we got some Bjork going on. We got yeah. some Portishead. Yeah, we got some Hole. Mm-hmm. Like, and we got some Iggy, Iggy Pop also in there. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I couldn't identify those individual bands, but like, it's it's all part of a soundscape that that mm-hmm. just yeah perfectly nails what the film is going for. So I had a lot of fun with that. All right, let's wrap this discussion up. Um, we watched Tank Girl. Uh, it's one of those movies where it, it's, I mean, I feel like if any movie earns the right to be called a cult film, this is the type of movie that you think about. Yeah. There's a lot of like bad movies that are cult films, but and then when you watch them, you're like, there's some interesting things in there, but it's definitely a bad movie. And we've watched our fair share of those on Absolutely, this podcast. Absolutely, yes. But this is the kind of movie where... Like I feel like there's enough goodness in this movie to justify a cult following. And one of the ways that this movie like still bears its influence is um, this version of jet of, of tank girl um, is the most cosplayed version. Like whenever you see it at the conventions, um, more than the comic book version, they will do the Lori Petty tank girl version yeah and i think that's great her her fashion sense in this film is 
fan fucking tastic. Yeah, you know? it's so much fun. It's a it's a lot of fun, and there's a lot in this movie that, I, like I said, every time I watch it. I find more to enjoy about it. And this was your first time watching it. So what do you think? Final thoughts. Uh, do you think that this is a bad movie? So-so movie, good movie, great movie. Where do you land? Um, I'm, I'm going to call it good. Um, I think that for me, the evaluation of good is, is it's the sum total of the fact that I, I definitely, I definitely had my, my, feelings about the structure of mm -hmm. the film and while I get that the structure of the film is meant to evoke kind of the episodic nature of the comics right. um, but I think like the structure of the film makes the story as a whole a little tough to follow and also just the fact that I would have really liked to have seen some kind of a growth or some kind of a development or a shift in our title character just to kind of you know make her a little more human um, but that said, aside from those critiques, like the film is just so full of attitude, mm -hmm. so full of energy, um, so full of just really great anti-authoritarian, yeah. just verb and gusto that just really does, I think, elevate it beyond like the sort of stickiness of it. Mm -hmm. And I think that it is owed and I think that that is owed in great part to the work of the director mm -hmm. and um, the work of the performances and and just like the whole creative team involved. Mm -hmm. um, the producers clearly didn't know how many great parts they had in front of them and right. tried to fuck with it. Yeah. Um, and so uh, it, it would be interesting to see if there was a director's cut so that we I'd could. I'd be interested to see it too, yeah. Like I would like to see that just to kind of see how... Put that uh, out there. We yeah. want to see the Talele cut. I really would like to see the Talele cut for this one. But at the end of the day, I'm just going to I'm gonna say it's good. It's definitely going to get more watches from me because there is a lot of amazing stuff going mm -hmm. on in it um, in spite of the, the structural and character trickiness. Yeah, I think I agree with you. Uh, it's a good movie. I, I there, I'm a big fan of just like fantasy movies in general and I really feel like there's not enough of this type of fantasy film out there especially like female centric fantasy and sci-fi storytelling um, because we we get really used to seeing like I feel like female characters in fantasy movies they're either going to be um, the like the Katniss in the Hunger Games type of mold where you have like this strong character that's like facing down this oppressive regime but she pulls through it with her stoicness or you're gonna get like the Sigourney Weaver in the alien movies mold where you have like this hidden badass who's hiding behind her job pretty much like it's like she's professional and it's that type of professionalism that that pulls her through because like she's the one who has her mind in the game and her eye on the ball and she never loses sight of what that is. And they're both badass characters. I love both of those characters. But, you know, we we never get to see female characters be in scrappy stories where the point is just to have fun and kick dirt in like the villain's faces yeah. and just like create havoc, you know? Yeah. It's part of the reason why I really love, even though Suicide Squad is a bad movie, 
I really love Margot Robbie's performance of Harley Quinn, and I loved her in Birds of Prey. I thought Birds of Prey was a, was a great movie, and it, it has that same kind of like anarchic spirit, and it's very like girl power. And I want to see more of that. I want to see more like women being allowed to not only be badasses, but have fun being badasses. Yeah, you know, definitely. like we don't get to see that a lot. And Lori Petty is fantastic the movie does have its issues and i actually agree with with you in a lot of of what you said about about the movie the the structure of the movie the editing of the movie the uh, you know it, it is a very shaggy movie yeah, uh, that's, sure. that's the way that i would describe it um but it's not a bad movie i actually think that this movie is very underrated i feel like it gets mm. a lot of bad rap actually yeah and and, and the, the, the question that i posed to you at the beginning like when we talked about how this movie kind of ruined Lori petty's career and i said to you then you're gonna get pissed off when you watch this movie it pisses me off because yeah. I, I think that this she does not deserve to have her career killed over this movie she was fantastic in this movie Agreed. And uh, and and then talking about Jet, Naomi Watts is first of all she's one of my favorite actresses. Period. I love her in Mulholland Drive and in uh, Peter Jackson's King Kong and in um, Gore Verbinski's The Ring. She's a fan- so much. She's yeah. a fantastic actress, and it's great seeing her in one of like this is like one of her earliest roles and just totally kicking ass. Yeah. And I mean I feel like this is the kind of movie that. You just like want to watch and you want to expose people to. I feel like you just want to like call people up and be like, "Dude, have you seen Tank Girl? You gotta yeah. watch this movie. It's crazy." And um, and I, I I like that quality in a movie. When I watch a movie, I want to be able to talk to someone and be like, "You've got to watch this movie." And yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it's not a perfect movie. It's yeah. not. And I would and like we were talking about, I would love to see the director's cut of this film and see. If it improves it in any way, but what we got is is pretty special. It, Agreed. I think, I think it's a late, it's a mid '90s gem of a movie. Agreed. It's it's a treasure. And in it's- a way, in a way, even though it is very shaggy, I kind of don't want to change a thing about it because that's kind of what makes it special too. Yeah, no, I I wholly agree with that. Like, I think all of the critiques that I had of it aside, like. There is there is something really special about the film in its current form. Mm-hmm. And like the fact that even, you know, amidst all of the like executive meddling, like I think it still it still really delivers so much in mm-hmm. in its current form and um and 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 for its time, I think right. as well. And and sort of what it, you know, being being a a comic book film before we kind of, you know, fell into the you know, the the kind of the the, the more generic mold right. that we're seeing with a lot of comic book films now. Um, yeah, I think, I this, think one this one took chances. Yeah, this one, yeah, took so many chances and, and just really has this this identity of its own yeah. that, um, that just really sings through. So, yeah, no, I I, I think that, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to change a thing about mm-hmm. this. Um, we can we can save those changes for, uh, for Margot Robbie's remake. Yeah, Margot Robbie. Bring it, girl. Absolutely. All right, well, that brings us to the end of another exciting episode of Gratuitous Sex and Violence. Thank you for watching Tank Girl with me, Ned. Oh, thank you for what? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We hope that y'all join us next time where we're going to watch another schlocky masterpiece. Until then, don't fall into the subgate. But if you do, maybe not bad thing. You'll probably meet a group of kind-hearted kangaroo-like mutants who... 
I want to watch some movies. Go watch movies with them. Yeah. I hope we're going to have some gratuitous sex and violence. You guys always bring me the very best violence. No relationship. No emotion. Just sex. Yes.